Welcome to the Cryptonomy Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Farron. This is a weekly podcast released every Friday, which explores the cryptocurrency, blockchain, and surrounding financial markets, analyzing price action, media news, or company partnerships and announcements, and with the overall aim of educating you within this space. Now, this is season two, and I'm going to be interviewing a new guest every single week who is active within the financial sphere to gain their perspective on some of the most crucial topics of this time as well as to share some of the knowledge they've learned throughout their career, whatever strategy or asset they are trading. My guest today is Austin Silver. He's a Forex trader, senior analyst with T3 Live, content creator on pretty much every social platform, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook Live, blogging, The Silver FX Show on Instagram. And today, amongst other things, we're going to be covering the global financial markets, a perspective of how trading has changed over the years, as well as a look towards the future. Austin, welcome to the podcast. Is there anything you wanted to add from that introduction for the listeners? No, that was great, Tom. I appreciate you having me here. I'm excited and I think that we can definitely, uh, hopefully bring some value to the people listening. Absolutely, yeah. First of all, I wanted to, to ask, you are, you're a swing trader. That's what I kind of gauge from your social media. You're a swing trader. Just explain to the audience what that kind of means and then what kind of a mindset and habits you need to have for that specific strategy? Sure. So I swing trade and I day trade. The difference for me comes really just down to if I'm holding the trade overnight or if I'm going to be definitely closing the trade by the end of trading that day. So whether it's 4.30 or 5 o'clock, depending on which market I'm trading, when that broker's shutting off for the day or it's changing over sessions, that's when I'm going to look to be out of those day trades. But the approach for the swing trades, the mental approach there is more macro based like i got into trading especially into forex because i was attracted to the fact that you are less subject to manipulation i liked the idea that comparing it to the stock market where companies could pump stocks just by releasing a press release that really doesn't happen as much in forex so i got into it that way but as i started to trade more and actually slowed my trading down on those higher time frames the one hour the four hour and the daily you start to realize how important macro trends are like right now we're talking about the tariffs with trump to mexico and the tariffs to china and those two things really dictating a lot of what the traders in the market are feeling and that translates into the technical analysis on the chart so when i approach the charts for the higher time frame swing trades you have to keep that macro outlook in line where's the dollar going especially even now dollar uh, dollar yen things like that that you could actually see again gold is something i've been talking about a lot too just seeing okay look turmoil in the dollar the dollar getting you know more volatility where's big money going to go to the safe haven currencies to gold to bitcoin to things like that and that's why you saw bitcoin surge i think in the beginning of april was because you saw more volatility with the us and china than than previously before so the volatility kicked up around the dollar big money floods elsewhere you know what i mean so it's good to be aware of that macro approach yeah it is cuz it's, it's just a wealth shift in a way it's just moving one 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 asset or you're moving well from one financial asset to another yeah. in that case is from the from the dollar from the from the commodity gold market into this new asset class of cryptocurrency so you're talking about the swing trading there what time frames are you looking at is it is it more like the the higher time frames the daily the weekly and the monthly are you staying on the the four hour as well 
Yeah. So I'm not using the weekly and the monthly very often at all. It's mainly the daily, the four hour and the one hour. And I'm yeah. taking my entries on those swing positions based solely off the one hour. So if it doesn't look right on the one hour, I'll continue to let it develop, whether that takes a day, a week, or if it doesn't ever happen, that's not really, you know, in my control, but I'm looking to take those entries off the one hour. And most of the time, I'm basing my entries in the way that I'm trading just on math. I like to go for solid risk reward. I'm not big on Fibonacci's. I'm not big on anything like that. And I also don't try to call the tops or call a bottom. No. I'll in a trade, I'll measure the risk in that trade, and I'll try to get two or three R, right? two to three risk reward on yeah. that trade. And if I can consistently do that with the systems that I use, the one that I built for this swing trading, now I'm going to be profitable. That's what's led me to be profitable over the long run. So it's just about, I think, consistency in that system, but then also sticking to that time frame pretty, pretty rigidly. Like I try to not enter off the four hour, even though sometimes you'll see things line up and you'll say, well, look, this is still a trade that could present. The four hour for me is just too slow. The daily is just too slow, but I still will use it for the analysis. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause if, if you go down to lower time frames, you can, you can kind of uh, maximize in and you can zoom into to a lot of things so instead of having a uh, maybe a 10 a 10 pip drawdown you could then have a five pip drawdown because you're going down to lower time frames getting a more precise entry exactly yeah so what um what currency pairs are you trading on mostly so right now i'm focused on euro pairs and gbp pairs i'll still occasionally you know of course take a look at dollar base pairs dollar quote pairs mm. i stay away from aud pairs australian dollar pairs what is dollar pairs for me on my day trading stuff on my, when I'm doing the shorter term trades where I'm doing my live room and my Twitter feed and things like that, yeah. the AUD pairs have a lower average daily trading range. So they don't move as much no. as these pairs. So where I'm looking at GB right now on my other screen, I see GBP NZD. I mean, this pair has moved a lot, even just today, it really kicked up compared to what it did yesterday overnight last night. This will move 150 to 200 pips in a day. Whereas AUD CHF might move 40. So for me, if I'm going to get in, like I said, it's all about the math, right? If the pair only moves 40 pips that day and I'm trying to get 15 or 20 versus I'm trying to get 15 or 20 in a pair that moves 150, I'm much, much more likely if I find a good signal to get that trade in the pair that has a more volatile range, a larger trading range. So that's just why my focus has been there. I'll still look at them. We'll still analyze them. But as far as putting money into it, you'll never see me get super excited about one of those AUD pairs, even CHF base pairs, CAD base pairs aren't my favorite. I never, I'm, I'm weird. I'm like one of the weird <laughs> traders that I don't trade dollar CAD at all. I know a lot of people love dollar CAD. Yeah, a lot, of people, a lot of people tried that. Yeah. I, even, it's, it's just not me. No. Not what well, you got to, you got to stick to your own strategy. I mean, for me, I used to trade, um, when I used to trade foreign exchange, I used to trade Australian dollar, US dollar yep. um, because it was a really slow moving market. That's the first kind of, pair I started looking at and I just kind of just got I like the long ranging uh, Fibonacci retracements that came mm -hmm. off it and the, and the market waves and so I started trading that I continually traded that and that was the only kind of pair I traded yep um but it is slow moving because it's it's a it's one of the uh minor pairs and a, a lot of the major pairs like the, the pound the euro and yeah. the US dollar they're gonna have more more liquidity in them and more volume moving around. That's just, and I think that that's, again, like you said, goes back to your personal characteristics, right? Like for me, I know, cause I, I mean, I've been doing this now for almost six years. I just, I understand what I like, what I don't like. There's a good saying that a lot of people, I've seen it all over the internet. It's, you just, you know what you know, and you, you gotta know what you don't know. 
So I know what I like. I know what works for me. And then, like you said, you do long range Fibonacci retracements. My brother, he's younger than me. He trades with a different firm. He uses Fibonacci retracements and zones. That's the only indicators he uses. And yeah. he a lot of success on the four hour time frame. So there's a million ways to do analysis, a million ways to make money. But then what separates the people, you know, that don't make it from the guys like you, myself, my, my younger brother, consistency behind that strategy, consistency behind the way that you're going to do it. It always comes back to that. You know what I mean? So like if you're in love with Australian dollar, US dollar, and that's where you love that slow moving market, you love the extensions on those, you work that. You just work with it as long as you can. You know what I mean? Until you are either burnt out or until you're a millionaire. You just stick with which, what works for you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the advice I got off some traders a few years ago that just you can just stick on one pair, whether, whether you're looking at the stock market, the Forex market or the crypto market, you can just stick on one kind of pair and just analyze that and make money from that. You don't need to branch yourself out to look at 10 or 12 different pairs as probably a lot of new traders do. Right. I definitely agree with that. I think I would have been better off if I had known that when I first started. Because of course, when you first start, you don't even know the difference between the volatility in a GBP pair mm. versus the volatility in a CHF base pair. You know what I mean? Like you just don't even understand that. So when you see all these pairs, you see all these ways to make money, you can get lost in it. But I think if you stick to a pair, like I love GBP NZD. The people that trade with me know I love that pair. I, I do analysis on that pair more than anything else. So when it does present my signal, because I stick to that pair and I really own it a lot when the signal presents you're really confident in it so it feels even better to take those trades whereas if you're looking at 30 different pairs it's really hard to be like yeah i love this one but i also love this one you know what i mean it, it's very distracting so i think sticking yeah. to one pair is definitely good advice that's that makes a lot of sense yeah you said you were trading the market for about six years now i just wanted yeah. to get gain an insight of how do you think the market has changed over the years the foreign exchange market in terms of the economic climate and how mm -hmm. That's kind of the fundamental side. So that means like media news um, announcements. How has that affected your technicals? And have you had to change anything, any of the strategies you've? Yeah, absolutely. So the original strategy that I built, that would be about four and a half years ago, almost five years ago, that no longer is even being used because the market changed. And I think on top of the market evolving, where you, the base level of explaining that, how I would tell a new trader or someone that, isn't in, you know actively in the forex market pairs will shift which ones trade at higher average daily ranges so when i first started gbp nzd was not moving 200 pips per day but now because of the macro climate around brexit and things like that prime minister may resigning you have more volatility and those pairs will move more yes. so People always confuse Forex thinking they need to be a, you know, an economist basically to make money, but you don't. You just need to be able to read the news and understand where volatility is going to come in, where it's going to get sucked out of. So I think that over time, that volatility just shifts around. But more importantly than even that, as far as what changed in the market over the last five or six years, it's the technology. The brokers are becoming more and more prevalent, both regulated, un and unregulated for better and worse, right? So you're seeing a lot of brokers come in, which is driving the cost of trading down, which is a good thing for us. And I think you're seeing faster execution and more people able to actually get into the market, which of course is going to change the market a lot. And I think we're not talking about it enough, not you and me, but just people in general. There's a whole population of people in Africa and other countries that don't have easy access to the internet. But yep. once they do, with the rise of cryptocurrency and the rise of trading online, whether it's Forex, crypto, or stocks, whatever options, whatever, there's going to be more and more people coming into the markets. 
And that's going to, I think, drive competition between brokers, which will keep costs low for us. So I always tell people now is the best time to get started trading because you got to learn. Yeah. But as you're learning, like everything is getting cheaper, everything is getting faster. That idea that you need to be a big bank to make money in, in Forex, it just doesn't even apply at all anymore. It's just not even true. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the, the spreads are getting a lot lower. The cost, the transaction fees are getting a lot lower, even I've seen in the cryptocurrency market. Because if you look at the last bullish run in 2017, at the end of 2017, a mm. lot of the actual exchanges closed down their doors to new members and you weren't allowed to create a new account. Yep. There was so much volume coming in and their actual servers, their systems couldn't deal, couldn't cope with the amount of demand. And now if you fast forward it two years on, there's lots more exchanges out there. They have the capacity to actually take in more members, take in more actual um, accounts. So things do change um, over time. And, and as supply and demand, as more people come into the market, as you said, from different continents, um, it, it will definitely draw composition and, and be good for the market or bring actual more volatility or, or maybe less volatility, but bring more volume to the market. Right. Definitely more volume. I think the emerging markets will continue to be volatile. I think like mm. the idea for me, at least the idea of trading, even the dollar peso is very on a consistent basis is very difficult. The emerging market currencies, even backed against the dollar where it's like you're tra trading that exchange rate. They're very, very volatile. They're very unpredictable for you know, another example was about a year ago, the Turkish lira was going through some serious yep. volatility. Right. And I even was, actively trying to trade it. And I lost money and made money and lost money and made money back and forth because there was just so much volatility. It was very hard to find consistent, you know, returns versus trading the pairs that we spoke about before those base pairs, nothing too exotic, nothing crazy and finding those trending markets. And I think that again, just goes back to my characteristics, right? Like I'm a technical trader and I do prefer short-term timeframes rather than daily or weekly timeframes. So when I'm looking at that, I know that I want a market that isn't being shaken around by news, mm. isn't being shaken around by volatility from, you know, some president resigning or some this, I, I don't want any of that. I want markets that are stable and then just trade the technical analysis behind that. And that's, I think the most consistent you'll find. The other stuff is fun. And like everyone that likes to trade and make money will even probably agree. Like that scratches your itch. It gets you excited when you win and it's shooting up and it's super volatile. It's exciting, but it's yeah. just as it's 10 times worse when you lose in that situation too. So it's better to put that gambling itch aside, take that to the casino and then treat trading like a business. I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That that's a, that's a common phrase that kind of circles around the whole trading industry to treat it like a business. And that essentially means to, to not gamble, to not take too big risks and to take a measured approach. And I think trading those major pairs, those pound, euro, US dollar, because they've got more volume into it, it makes a lot more sense. Yep. What's, the, what's been the impact of Trump and China, that trade war, the thing going on at the moment? I think that it's, I, I think even beyond just the moment now, I think the last couple of months with the trade war between China has really pushed the dollar Basically, I think to its high for the year, I don't know if we'll break 98, 99 for the year, just because I don't think that it's going to come together in the perfect storm. I think that the, our economy might, I mean, here in the US, our economy is almost being propped up by this overinflated dollar. And that's caused pairs like Euro USD to move lower to new lows of the year. But I think going forward, I don't, 
I just don't see the dollar surging to 99 to 100 to 101 to 100. I just don't see that happening. I think that as the trade war tensions continue to calm down, because even yesterday, Trump came to an agreement with Mexico. So now once he squares the China thing away, you'll see the dollar start to calm down. And then I think it's, it's basically up in the air. I, it's very hard to make long-term predictions. And I think proof of that could be today. If you look, Trump just gets to Twitter, he'll tweet something about the European countries devaluing the dollar and yeah, the will react to that. And yeah. it's like, he has a lot of power. I think he himself is dangerous to, to us as active traders. Because if he's just in a, thinking something and he hits send, the markets are going to react. The banks are going to react. So it's, it's an interesting time. It's tough to make long-term predictions. That's why I don't like to just say. But what I do think is you'll see more money go to cryptocurrency. I do think Bitcoin's coming higher. I do think gold comes higher. I think gold should hit 1500 maybe even higher by the end of the year. So I think more money goes to the safe havens, more money goes to the newer markets than it does stay in the dollar. I think there's just too many big hedge fund guys out there talking about the recession coming in 2020 to yeah. keep the stock market going higher, to see money continue to pump in. I just don't see that happening. Uh, and it's interesting that he, I think he tweeted the other day about the Fed, Federal Reserve, they're mm -hmm. hiking interest rates and he doesn't, he doesn't agree with that. So it's kind yeah. of like, he's this economist, he's this businessman um, in charge of the country, but he doesn't exactly have control of the economic climate and the finances behind it. Yep, but they still react to it. Like people and, and, and big investors are seeing his tweets and seeing his opinions and reacting to it. I, I don't think the Fed looks at his tweets and takes it seriously. I don't think the Federal Reserve cares about what he says. If anything, the Federal Reserve would not listen to him because he isn't an economist. You know what I mean? The Fed basically sees themselves, in my opinion, as the reason our economy is as great as it is right now, because they propped it up from 2008 until now, when yeah. it basically became almost crumbling down. They had to save it. They kind of did. And since then, it's been propped up. So I think that they won't really care what anybody says. They're going to continue to try to do what they think is best to manage until something worse happens. But there's bigger issues at play. Like you have more um, corporate debt, than ever before, more consumer credit card debt than ever before. We have more auto loans being um, not paid than ever before. And we have student loans that are basically through the roof. Yes. So what will happen, I think now is, and I'm not trying to get too political, but what will happen is you might see a Democrat get elected. And if the Democrat gets elected, that should probably cause the stock market to come down. That could definitely cause it to come down. That comes down, that could bring the value of the dollar down, and that could see cross-currency pairs like EURUSD come back higher and surge higher. But at the same time, and this is why it's such a layered pancake and why it's so complicated, because at the same time, you've got Brexit, right? So then yeah. if Brexit happens and they have a hard Brexit, what does that do to the value of the euro, right? So it's very complicated. It's all tied together and it's very complicated. I think next year, you've got quite a few key events as well. You've got the, um, the US presidential elections. Yep. You've got the, as you said, a lot of econo uh, economists are talking about a potential market recession. You've also got the Bitcoin halving. Yep. May 2020. So there's yep. a lot of like confluences around 2020, around that summertime, uh, yep. to, potential, to potentially be the catalyst for this wealth shift we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see. And I think on top of all that, you, we, you can't sleep on the, the fact that 5G is continuing to grow, which will really take technology to levels that a lot of us don't even fully understand. So yes. you mix all of it together with technology evolving faster and faster and faster until you know it, it, it will just continue to outpace us. But 
again, it's just perspective because you can look at all this and be like, oh, this is the worst time to be a trader. Or you can look at it and say, this is the best time because this is the most volatility that we've seen in a long time, in my opinion. This is more opportunity than ever before because of that volatility. And with the technology, like I was saying, anybody can trade. More and more people are going to be involved in trading, I think. And that goes even to the idea that here in America, a big issue is automation, people losing their jobs to robots and machines. Yeah. Basically, the reason Trump won was because 4 million people lost their industrial jobs to robots. So if that continues to happen, people are going to need other ways to make money. The government might come in and try to help everybody. And that's not my opinion to say that's going to work or not. But I think if we could just get more people to see what trading is and just not be scared of you know investing with their money that they can afford to lose, then trading is a really good option. Whether it's cryptocurrency or Forex or stocks, it doesn't matter. Just trading as a whole, I think, yep. sees more people come in and sees more people actually being positive on this volatility. You know what I mean? I think also investing. I mean, investing, the, the words trading and investing kind of get diluted a little bit, but trading is essentially, um, inve I don't want to say investing, but <laughs> trading is uh, putting your money into something for a short period of time. Um, and then investing is investing in, in a longer term. So it's just right. micro versus macro, really. And mm -hmm. I think there'll be a lot more people investing their money, whether that's in property, whether it's in stocks, whether it's in assets such as gold, as you said, or different commodities like that. There should be more, as this becomes more accessible, as, as 5G comes into, into play and then different technologies come into play, there should yeah. be a wider range and it's, it's more accessible than ever. So as you said, it's probably the best time for people to actually get into trading. And even not even just trading, just cryptocurrency too. Now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking about the Facebook node that came out mm -hmm. last week, right? And they're offering to pay their people in cryptocurrency. Like yeah. this is not going anywhere anytime soon. This is only the beginning for cryptocurrency and blockchain. The fact that Facebook is willing to pay its employees in their cryptocurrency, what's it called? Global coin? Like, uh, yeah, global coin. Yeah, it's going to be huge. I think Binance, the, the exchange Binance have already done that last year. Yep. Biggest cryptocurrency exchange. They started paying, I think it's 90% of their employees are now getting paid in BNB coin. So wow. it is definitely, definitely taking off. Wow. What's your kind of perspective on the whole crypto market from, from where you are in the foreign exchange market? Have you, have you experienced similar market corrections within your time, do you think? Not within my time, not within what I think we have in store for Bitcoin, because I think Bitcoin has the potential of, of anything that I've ever seen. And again, my experience isn't 30, 40 years, but in what I've seen, I don't think there's enough, there hasn't been enough speculation around an asset class like Bitcoin in basically as long as I've been a trader. So I think if something was going to do what Bitcoin did, which is search to new, to create parabolic highs pull back down. I think Bitcoin is the one thing that could go higher than those previous highs and break 20,000. But I think the perspective for me is biased based on news media. I see a lot of things talking about cryptocurrency and it's very one-sided. It's either crypto's the future, crypto's the future, or crypto's the worst, crypto's the worst. But I judge people more on their actions more than their words. So like when JP Morgan CEO, Jamie Dimon was saying two years ago, Bitcoin's crap, but yep. then this year they're announcing their own coin. Yep. I'm like, okay, clearly it's not crap because you're building a coin on the blockchain. So it's like, I think that coupled with a lot of statistics I see saying that a lot of crypto trading is fake. A lot of crypto trading isn't real. I think a lot of the altcoins are very hard to sell as long-term investments, but Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ripple, you know, 
even EOS, these companies that are actually serious companies, they have employees, they're building a product that does service people on the blockchain and does provide something that is pushing the community forward. I feel like those companies won't just crumble into abyss. Like Litecoin's not going to go to zero and shut down one day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. These things I think are staples that are going to be here to stay. I think what I like to look for is the team, what kind of actual team they've got, the employees, yep. um, the project they're building, yep. um, whether they're actually providing a real use case for the world. So is there actually a problem? Because with humanity, when, every time we create some, some new technology, it's to solve a previous problem. And are they actually solving a real problem? So if you look at Ripple, they're actually solving the problem of cross-border payments, the transactions, the time, the latency is very, very slow and outdated. And the whole system there with Swift, they're solving that real use problem, as Brad Garlinghouse likes to say. So that's what I like to look at with a lot of these altcoins and also Bitcoin. Are they actually solving a real, real problem? I think the whole cryptocurrency thing is as, as a whole market solves a big problem, which is these countries. And I don't think it's even being scratched on the surface. There's countries where people don't have access to regulated banking. They're mm -hmm. not going to need it now once they have access to cryptocurrency. It's that simple. Just take that step out of the equation give people a wallet and they're off in the running. So it's like the second that that hits, right? And the second that either Facebook or Elon Musk brings more internet to more countries that don't have it right now, free internet even, the second that that hits, these, these people are going to need a bank. And if Facebook's bringing them the internet or whoever is bringing them the internet is also able to provide them a cryptocurrency or a wallet or some type of exchange like that, or just give them access to an exchange, then there's going to just be more money coming into these coins, more money coming into Bitcoin, because regardless, I still think, and tell me if you disagree, but I think Bitcoin is still like the father of all of these other coins. Like if Bitcoin moves higher, it could very easily pull the rest of the coins higher still. I, I definitely think so because it's got around 55% market dominance at the moment. So that means that in terms of market capitalization, which is the measured metric for the rankings of Bitcoin's number one, ETH is number two, and then XRP is number three, and so on. We measure it off market cap, and Bitcoin is number one because it's got the biggest amount of market cap. And right. it does have that kind of dominance, that, that power. And if it does make these moves, then it does drag the rest of the market with it. I would definitely agree with that, yeah. Yeah, it'll definitely be an interesting next couple of months. And like you said, I think leading into that, that uh, halving in May 2020, mm. we will see a lot more money probably pump in before then. I don't think that the big banks are done. No, I don't think they've even got started really. I've spoken a lot before about um, the potential of kind of an inverse correlation in the markets where we have an index bear market. That's the S&P, the Dow Jones, the, the Dixie, as you said before. Mm -hmm. And the wealth gets shifted from one, one market to another. And, and this could potentially provide the catalyst for a cryptocurrency bull market in 2020 because whereas the potentially the stock market. And as you said, the dollar index is overvalued. The cryptocurrency market is undervalued. And, and those two could have an inverse correlation with one moving down, the other moving up. Are you going to be shifting your attention away from Forex and into crypto? Or are you going to stay on the, on, on the foreign exchange side in terms of trading and educating? So I will stay on Forex because mm -hmm. Forex is what's paid me and what has to, you know, still put money in my pockets. But if I was, not if, when I am going to move into another market, it would either be cryptocurrency 
or stock options. I would not go and trade equities right now. I just don't think that that market is conducive to easy access day trading. I think there's a lot of restrictions and a lot of manipulation, mm. regardless of whether cryptocurrency is manipulated or not, the coins, this or that, that's null and void. It's just the fact that crypto is so easy to trade that if you can find a market and find a pattern and find a system to work within that market, which would be the cryptos, then I think that that's a much better asset class to move into. And I think that that inverted correlation you're talking about is really interesting. And I, I think we could see it play out over the next two years, basically, if that comes true or not. Because if we see dollar index start to come back down off where it is today at, what, 97, 96, 9, something like that, if that starts to come back down towards where it was you know, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, 90, maybe even as low as 88, things like that, I mean, that could be where we see Bitcoin get back over 20,000, 30,000. I mean, you know, it, it definitely could be. And it, it would make sense almost too. I like logical trading. I like making reasoning, reasonable decisions. That makes a lot of sense to me. So I think that we could definitely see it. And why wouldn't it, right? Like when you ask people who are against cryptocurrency or, or blockchain, why won't it take over? Like there is no answer. There is no good answer. No, no, because it's, it's faster. It's more efficient and it's more cost effective than the previous system, the previous financial system. So it just makes sense that we need to evolve into this new world. We've got companies like Tesla producing electric cars. Then we've got the 5G network. Cryptocurrency is bringing finance into the 21st century. And it just makes a lot of sense. And I think these people like Jamie Dinner, you've got Warren Buffett and, mm -hmm. and others who are talking um, negatively about Bitcoin and the rest of the market. I think that I don't know whether it's that they're fearful of, because of change or, or that they don't actually see it. They don't have this kind of peripheral vision. They can't see ahead of what's going to happen, but um, it's definitely going to be a very interesting time. Yeah. And I think that it's, I would be very curious to go back to when Warren Buffett started investing, like his long-term investing philosophy. I'd be curious to know what other people around him were saying about that idea, just like what he's choosing to stay, say about people that want to trade cryptocurrency. You know what I mean? He's just choosing a stance based on his best knowledge. That yeah. doesn't mean he's going to be right. You know what I'm saying? And if anything, like you just said, it's outdated. Like cryptocurrency is, it's not even an infant yet. It's so new. You know yeah. what I mean? And, there, and there's a ton of smart people already involved in this community. So imagine where it can go and imagine as technology continues to advance. The blockchain's not slowing down. The blockchain's going to get faster. The companies are that are building services on there are just going to increase their speeds of service. Like everything will just continue to evolve in a positive way towards better technology. So it's like, I hear what Warren Buffett's saying. I hear what the old guys are saying and, and they have really good points, but at some point you have to realize that this is not, you know, their parent in the world they grew up in. This is different and this is faster. This is more evolving and more driven by that technology. I definitely think so. Are you thinking of a, I don't want to ask because I think it's quite difficult to predict and I've predicted before in the past, but I just want to open the kind of conversation about a potential bullish market. Mm -hmm. Are you open to a 2020 or even even later? What, what are your thoughts there? I think this, I think absolutely. I think what I would be very surprised if we go into 2021 without having some type of correction in the U S economy. And yeah. then I'm interested to see, what happens when that correction begins? How quickly does cryptocurrency start to rise? Where, and then also where in Forex, where can I exploit? I don't like to say weaknesses in exchange rates, but I like, I, I guess the better word would be volatility between exchange rates. So if 
the dollar is weakening, I'm going to look at USD base pairs and I'm going to look to see if them coming lower. And on the inverse of that, I'll look at USD quote pairs like Euro USD and I'll look for that to come higher. And then that can start to rebound because I've been following the technicals yeah. so long to the downside. I can see my levels previously and make basically what I would call good judgment calls on where I could then trade it back to the upside. So I would just take that situation of either a bullish cryptocurrency market or a bearish correction in the stock market and try to flip it into opportunity in the Forex market. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just looking at whether the market's under under or overvalued. And at the moment, you can, you're, from your perspective, you can see that the dollar index is overvalued slightly or potentially, um, and the cryptocurrency market is undervalued. And then you just kind of change your bias and, and become kind of in sync with the market um, mm -hmm. over time and, and see which market is. It's all about supply and demand zones, really. I mean, demand the bottom and yep. supplies the top and to see where the market is and, and market moves in waves markets have to make new higher highs and, and higher lows and continually move up and down and so we're going to have these bullish and bearish markets as we've seen in the cryptocurrency market across 20, 2018 this long-ranging bearish market and now we're moving into potentially a, a next bull market i do think that 2020 around the summer could be a could be a potential you think the halving is is a good point for this to to take off you think that that will do a lot of be a catalyst i think so i think based upon technical analysis of other things as well um the u.s economy it kind of just all lines up for me around june 2020 and i don't want to put an exact long month on it because it's very difficult to predict and a lot of people have done it before but um but that's kind of that's kind of the range i'm looking at really yeah i i definitely could see that i mean to me so when I when we talk more about the technicals, I'm looking at the dollar index right now on the daily time frame on my chart. When I'm looking at the technicals, I'll, I like to just keep it simple. Basically, like you said, I'll use moving averages and I'll use the idea of just keeping structure moving. And when structure breaks down, I'll use those different supply and demand zones to identify strength or weakness. And I think that the strength to the downside on the dollar index off that high at 98.50, basically, of, it's the high of the year, but it was set at the beginning of April. That high at 98.50 to me is going to be a very significant level to break. And it, I think it'll be very difficult to break because if you just look, what drove us up to that high multiple times was the trade war. And now that the trade war is backing off, the tensions are kind of cooling down. What's going to be the catalyst to kick us up there? And it's almost, it's almost like you could look at it and say Trump can drive that. So it's like, well, if Trump can't drive it, then where's the dollar next going to go? Lower, right? Who knows? So I think. It's definitely been in an uptrend and you have to let trends be trends. But at the same time, I like the idea of forecasting and I like the idea of thinking ahead and saying, well, what's coming? The halving is coming. Brexit is coming. The U.S. election is coming. You know what I mean? These things that are yeah, undoubtedly going to move market sentiment for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of like correlating factors that are coming into it, especially with uh, the U.S. elections coming up next year. Yep. And just so many, there seems so many confluences coming into 2020. Okay, so I was I was looking through some of your content from from um, from previous histories, and and you said that one of the biggest reasons why most people don't succeed in forex, and I'd even branch that out to the whole of the financial markets from my experience. But you said that they lack proper mentorship. Yeah. Um, do you believe that that also applies to life in general and whatever kind of journey you're on, as well as in the trading markets? Definitely. I'll tell you, even like right now, 
I would say my growth outside of trading has slowed because I don't have mentors as some of my peers do. So like I have friends that are local to me where I live in other businesses that have five, six, seven, eight mentors for different reasons that they look to and try to pull value out of. I think I personally have lacked on that for myself because I've given so much to my business. And I think that if I could go back in time, the, the reason I believe that mentorship is the answer there is because if I could go back to when I first started, all I would need is some guidance. Mm. I, I had the work ethic, undoubtedly. Like I put in more hours than most people, yeah. but I didn't have someone over my shoulder saying, dude, like how I just explained, AUD pairs are slower right now. And this is why. Oh, okay, cool. Now I understand something. Like I didn't have that guidance. I was basically, when I first started was fund an account, try to make money, whoop, blew the account, save up some more money, try it again. And that was my first year and a half was just throwing darts at a dartboard until I realized after losing enough money that that was stupid and I needed guidance and I needed education. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the path to success could be shortened so much by just, it's just having that person to direct you and to say that um, this is the right, this is not the right way to go, but this is, this is the direction you should go in and to push you in this area rather than you kind of figuring it out for yourself. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely think. Who was your kind of mentor in, in trading? I, I really had more psychological mentors than I had technical mentors. I learned a lot of technical analysis from YouTube and from courses online. I spoke to a lot of mentors over Twitter, like Mike Bellafiore, um, a couple of his guys at his firm. I had three traders who at T3, three management guys at T3, who really helped guide me as well. And then, like I said, on the psychology aspect, I actually have taken a lot of, I would say from Gary V, from Grant Cardone, from people that really motivate me because yeah. Forex is so new. There aren't a lot of people in my space that are super, super transparent, super, super easy to talk to, and really just willing to help the community. There aren't a lot of us yet. So I've had to force the mentorship out of other areas, basically. Like I said, Gary or Grant, people like that who still can say something that has nothing to do with trading, but I can interpret it as something for trading and apply it to the business. But my beginnings as a trader, I found a couple of good YouTube channels. I can't remember the names of them right now because I'm unsubscribed at this point, but YouTube has been a really good resource for me. And that's why when people come to me and they don't want to maybe jump in with education right away, they just want to tap their feet. I tell them go to YouTube. I don't even give them my website or anything like that. Just go to YouTube because there is good information out there. You have to just sift through it. It's just so much free content, isn't there? So much. Yeah. And it's a positive thing and a negative thing in a way because you can, there's so much available and we spoke about kind of cutting the path to success and, and having that mentorship. If you're, if you're watching 15 videos in a day, then you're not really, you can't absorb all that and you're getting maybe different conflicting views. Maybe I'm telling you to trade with Fibonacci levels. You're suggesting uh, different zones and other traders are suggesting other, other strategies as well. So, but I do think definitely, definitely YouTube is a good, is a good place to get, to get the basics and then looking to other, other entrepreneurs, business people for the psychology aspect is, is very important also. Cause at some point it all, it like, even, even if you take strategies from someone as a, as a, like you hire a trading coach and you learn from them or whatever it is, it still is going to come down to you. You yeah. have to be 
able to execute on the plan, on the discipline, and on the, the system that you've built. So it's like, not only do you want to train yourself for how to trade, but you want to prepare yourself mentally for what's going to happen once you're trading. And that mentorship came for me in the live market. I feel like a lot of people are like almost paralysis by analysis where they don't jump in yet because they're just so caught up in the reading and so caught up in the study. You're going to learn a lot if you just jump in. You don't have to put all of your savings into it at first. I don't always advocate for it, but you, I know in cryptocurrency you can, and I know you can in Forex, you can start with a paper trading account and just feel your way through the market because truthfully, and you know this at this point, like a demo trading account. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's not for everybody. Trading is not a business that's for everybody. It no. takes a certain kind of person. So I don't recommend people just throw money into the market. Like I did. I think you just, you go slow, you find mentorship on YouTube, you find books to listen to, you find valuable people on the internet that are really actually, and I use the word valuable because it's important. They have to be valuable people. They can't just flash and motivate you. You don't want motivation all the time. It needs to be balanced with actual practice, with actual execution. And if you can find that, it's a balance of like, hey, I'm going to explain to you how I can help you get to where you want to get. And I'm also going to teach you something to get you there. That's value. It's both sides. It's not lifestyle flashing. It's not just education. It's a balance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You need, you need that education and also you need that support afterwards. It's, it's kind of like, I think a lot of people just promote this, this lifestyle of, of in trading, just not, not in Forex in general, just of it's very very easy it's, it's a get rich quick scheme and things like that and i've seen that a lot in the cryptocurrency markets but it does take a lot of hard work behind the scenes a lot of consistently in daily habits and breaking it down i think that, that that's a big thing too we didn't really touch on with the technology stuff like the technology has allowed people to use social media outlets to basically scam other people they'll sell you an idea they'll sell someone a dream i'll give you a very hard example People will take my content that you saw on Instagram. They'll make a fake account, use my pictures and tell people, give me a thousand, I'll invest it for you, blah, 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 like this total scam. Yeah. So that's a bad thing that technology has brought in and they'll suck people in with pictures of Lamborghinis and stacks of money that aren't even theirs. But there are enough people that are still naive enough to fall for it and it sucks because it devalues everything. It just ruins everything. So that's, that's a big negative that comes from technology. I think so. And in your six years of experience, I, th I suppose that at the start of that, you probably didn't see that so much because I don't know when Instagram actually was launched, but yeah, no, it was it, when I first started Instagram, when I, when I was posting about trading, it was all my, and if you scroll back through my Instagram, you'll see, I still have some up. All of my photos were just of charts. It was me, my entry in a chart, in a trade. I was trying to be different because all the people and there weren't a lot of them, but all the people at that point that were selling something on Instagram, all their photos weren't teaching me anything. They were just selling me their life. And like, I, as much as I, no, I don't care. So I can't even say that. I just don't care about that person's life. I don't care how much money they say they have because photos can be Photoshopped. But if you show me how to take a trade or what a pip is or what a cross currency pair is, or how do I trade divergences? If you showed me that, I'd be like, dude, I'll buy your course. Teach me what that is. Teach me more about that. So it was, I, I realized very quickly, like people will take that scammy approach and it works. And that's the worst part. People are making money doing that, but it's not real business. It won't last. Like mm -hmm. I know that people like real education, real traders will outlast all of that 
trendy fake stuff that kind of floats in. You know what I mean? Because that comes and goes in all industries. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there'll be you can you can easily block people on Instagram now or report them. Yep. To um to Instagram if they're creating poor content or or they're creating spammy content and fake accounts. Definitely. And I'm trying to get verified, Tom. I need that. <laughs> I need that blue check. <laughs> How can you get that? I've listen. I've contacted them. No joke. Almost ten times. I gave up <laughs> because every time someone de- like would steal my photos, I'd be like, "Yo, Instagram. These people are scamming other people, other users of your site yeah. that don't that think that they're buying my product, but they're not. Give me the check so people know." And they were like, "No, we can't do that. You need. They want me to have press on other sites. Like they want me to be featured on CNN or something." And I'm like, "You think CNN cares about forex? Come on." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they want press to know that I'm me. It's a whole hoopla. Okay. That okay. damn thing. That's interesting to hear the criteria of actually of actually what they say because yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, yeah. What I've actually noticed in in the last I would say the last year actually, there's a lot more there's a lot more women getting into trading as well, especially the foreign exchange market. It's um, it's something. Yeah. What? Yeah, because I see it and I'm like, I see her. I see these girls will follow me. And again, I hope that they're actually trading, but yep. they wrote Forex trader in their bio. But again, none of their pictures have anything to do with Forex or maybe it's a picture of them sitting at a laptop, but they pulled up trading view. And it's like, I get that. And I get you're a trader, but then I click the link on your bio and it, a lot of them, again, not all of them. Some of them are like my girlfriend trades. She's great. Some of them are legit, but some of these girls, like it's like Forex trader, click the link. And it's like, how would you like to turn one Bitcoin into 3000 Bitcoin? And it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just, it, it, it's that, it's that flash of Instagram lifestyle shit that they try to sell. But then when you, if you just got an ounce of brain power to you, you can realize it's a scam. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I hope the real traders are out there. And I know in the UK Forex is a bigger thing than it is here in America. Like there's very, very few girl, like female Forex traders in America. My girlfriend's probably part of the zero 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 one percent. You know what I mean? Like it's very small. Why do you think that is? Because they don't know about it. I'm still behind the boat that here in the U.S. Forex is so new. I look. I have a lot of issues expanding my business because people know about stock trading. They know someone that lost money in stock trading, and then immediately hear forex trading, think, "Oh, I'm going to lose money in forex trading." They don't even know what it is. They think it is stocks, and it's not. So I think my and again. My mission is just tell people what Forex is, tell people what cryptocurrency is. I'm, I'm actually working on a new product that's going to be showcasing it in a completely different light. Not so much like become this masterful Forex trader, but more so like, hey, these markets can help you create extra income. These markets can pay your health insurance. These markets can dig you out of the financial hole that you're in. So I just think it's under education. People just don't know Forex and cryptocurrency is so easy to get into. So it'll come. Yeah, I think so. Especially with cryptocurrency, it is an emerging market and it's such a youthful market. And I think that as time goes on and more people talk about it and more of the big players, you've got Samsung, Nike, Facebook, people like that are actually releasing products and services and that's getting broadcast across the mainstream media. Then the attention will come, I think, um, especially with crypto. I think the attention will come and it's just going to take a little bit more time. Yep, I I totally agree. And even... Deeper than that, you have like Amazon who today, well, they've been doing it, but today I saw on CNBC, they're offering credit cards to people with bad credit or no credit. So they're trying to bring people into the digital world Mm. just to get them to use their product. But I think that by bringing people into that 
kind of digital monetary exchange yeah just open the door even more to them being like well what else can i do online what yeah. other ways are there for me to move money online and trading is one of them so it's like again technology will push us forward day trading is not something whether it's cryptos or anything forex trading online is not something that's behind the curve if anything it's 10 steps ahead of the curve you know what i mean yeah what do you think is the biggest kind of obstacle for people is it, is it just the tension? Is it just that they, they don't have the knowledge or is it, is it some sort of inbuilt fear that they have? Yeah, it's definitely fear because, and I think more than anything, it depends on the age group, but I think for people my age, I'm 24. Um, it's, it's fear of losing money. And I think that it's fear because of situations that we saw our parents go through in 2008 like 2008 with the housing crisis yeah. was a bad situation because of what it did to people's savings a lot of people lost their 401ks and they turned and blamed wall street and that ended up grouping a lot of things in whether that was stock trading stock investing yeah. buying and like it grouped all of these things into no 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 i'm not letting anybody touch my money except yeah. me this is my money like you know what i mean so people have this negative stigma to oh put your money to work for you and I, I'm just going to continue my, you know, journey of trying to break that because I think it's an old stigma. Like it's, it's, it's 11 years past that now. There's way more opportunities to put your money to work for you than ever before. We have these apps now that'll take your spare change and invest that for you, Acorn. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many opportunities to take small money in, or large money and put it to work for you. Not flip it, not 10x it, but put it to work for you. Start learning how to make it help you make more income. And that's why. I think more people will come to cryptocurrency because even if you have people that are fighting through a nine to five job, you'll see people turning and saying, well, look, if I save a hundred dollars a month for five months, I can have a $500 account and I can start trading that $500 account. And in five years, maybe that's 50 grand or it's a hundred grand or whatever it is. Cause I make good investment choices. They're putting that money to work for them. And I think the only reason people would not do that, like I said, it's just fear and that I you would, on the surface, call it lack of education, but lack of education is rooted in fear. You're just fearful yeah. of what you don't know. So it all starts in, in just breaking down that fear. I don't think that young people should have that fear because if you're, if you're kind of 24 or 22 as, as I am, you shouldn't have mm -hmm. that kind of fear because you haven't been through these financial recessions right. before. Back 11 years ago, I didn't personally go for a financial market recession because I was a teenager. I wasn't, I wasn't in that, in that world of having assets now these young people should be adopting cryptocurrency and that's what something i've been quite surprised about that a lot of people that i know haven't really adopted it haven't really taken attention to it um whether they're getting just fed narratives from their from their parents or from from previous generations that this kind of asset class or or investing money is is risky or it's dangerous i don't know what it is but um i've just been quite surprised at the lack of adoption and lack of attention being drawn towards cryptocurrencies. Play it safe is the way that everybody's parents tells them to do it. You know what I mean? And if you don't take risks, you're not going to push yourself past where you normally would, you know, kind of settle in. And that is important because I think a lot of people do settle and it goes back to a mindset. Like you have to be hungry for more if you want to be a trader, if you want to make money in the markets, it doesn't matter if you want to be a pro trader, if you think you want to be an economist. Like I said, none of that really matters. You have to just be hungry as an individual for new knowledge. If you are, then, then it works. Like You'll figure it out eventually. It's never going to be the same way for every person. I've worked with hundreds of people from all over the world, 
And I think that what I could tell you, the one thing that stands very clear is that nobody will make consistent money in the markets the same way. Nobody, even the people that I teach and have worked with me every day since I started, do not make money the same way that I do. It's not just, it doesn't happen because everybody's got these unique characteristics that really show through their trading. Yeah. And that's why you need to kind of specify your own strategy, your own, what, what asset you're trading to your own personal, personal characteristics. You know, you're trading the foreign exchange market and certain pairs based upon your traits as a person. I'm doing the crypto market swing trading that because it's, that's, that, that fits my personality more. And so it's very, very important to adapt that to yourself. You got to love it. Like you love the crypto stuff. You love reading about it. You love checking out on those companies. Who's on the board? What are they doing? What are they pushing forward? If you love it, it's that, that is the same mentality that Warren Buffett would tell you on how to pick a stock. It's the same thing. So it's like, people are just scared of the new asset. They're scared of what they've heard about Bitcoin. They scare that, you know what I mean? These things aren't going anywhere. So your mentality is the right approach. Hmm. Okay, cool. Have you got any, um, have you got any kind of recommendations for the listeners that can help them improve their trading in terms of books, any documentaries you've watched, any videos on YouTube that really change your output or any podcasts, any kind of mediums? Yeah. The one book I would recommend, two books, one good trade by Mike Bellafiore. That oh. book by far changed my, changed my just a whole mental approach. Um, doesn't teach you a single thing about technicals. Nice. So don't read it looking for that. Read it looking for how am I going to make myself a better psychological trader because of it. And then on top of that, it's a little bit shorter of a book would be the 12 Habitudes of Highly Successful Traders. That's by Ruth Barron's Roosevelt. And that one's really short. It's really easy. And honestly, I don't mean to take the money out of her pocket, but you can Google that and find it for free. So you can study that one. You could probably read it tonight whenever you're listening to this. I think that that book as well can, if, if, if applied correctly to your trading, can definitely change what you do every day. And therefore, if you're struggling, it'll keep money in your pocket. It's that book I read before I read One Good Trade and it helped me stop losing because it helped me realize a lot of things about trading that no one had said to me before. Yeah. So those two books are good. Okay, great. There's one book I've actually read called The Way of the Turtle. Have you ever read yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that on audiobook. I've listened to it. I haven't read it, but I've listened to it. Yeah, Curtis Faith. That was a good book about the turtle traders and, and yeah. the strategies which I used. That was a that was quite a good book. That one's good. Also, Steve Burns, he's uh, on Instagram too. He's got some good books. Some are based on the stock market, but his psychological books are good. Um, 39 Habits of Successful Traders, I think is one of them. Like he's got a couple of good books. Mark Douglas has a couple of good books, Trading in the Zone, The Disciplined Trader. Those are two really good ones as well. Mm. Okay, cool. Thanks for the recommendations. Um, yeah. What's your, uh, what's kind of your future plans for, for Forex trading, educating, and what kind of content can we be expecting to see? So I am at the time of recording this, which is beginning of June, I'm going through some changes with my products and services. So I can't go into too much detail yet, nope. but I can say that all of it will be on my Instagram because that's where I, everybody follows me. So my Instagram is Austin Silver FX. That's not changing. Mm-hmm. And I think that my changes are going to be for the better because I want to continue to focus on trading my money, my retirement fund. Um, I don't want to get distracted in the business aspect of it to the point where it takes away from the trading. So from we go back to mentors. From one of my very few mentors in trading, 
I've learned just from his story and from what he shared with me that he spent a lot of time in his early years trying to do what I'm doing. And it was to no avail. It didn't provide the value or the financial return that he was looking for. So I'm trying to nip that in the butt before it goes down that, before I fall down that hole. So I think I have a lot of good stuff coming. I have a lot of good stuff revolving trading specifically coming. And then I'm just going to continue to focus on trading my money because I like doing that. And I like sharing my ideas for free. I like just saying, Hey, I think gold's going to rise here from 1287 and I think it could touch 1340. And then in a week, if it does, cool, it makes me look good. And hopefully some people learned about it because I can, you know, provide them that value through an Instagram video and show them, Hey, here's the zone I saw at. I thought that we were in a bullish uptrend. We're going to look for that trend to continue off the support zone. It's pretty simple. This is where I'm looking to put levels and boom, we can all learn together. So free value is the yeah. focus. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely, uh, Definitely what I've seen on a lot of social platforms, a lot of people are giving out free value and it, and it's very, very courageous or kind of like, uh, it's good to see that you're offering that free content to yeah. a lot of your, to your social followers. So you, you mentioned Instagram, what else, what other social platforms are you on and what's your hash, what's your name? Your, yeah. um, it's Austin silver FX on everything. Twitter, uh, Inst Twitter and Instagram are my main two. Yeah. YouTube, you can find me if you just search Austin silver and, uh, yeah, the best way to get a hold of me if you want to just talk to me or have any questions about Forex, it's definitely Instagram. I check Twitter every now and then, but my followers are more on Instagram, so I'm more focused there. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. This has been, a, been the Cryptonomy Podcast. I've been your host, Tom Farron, and we've today interviewed Austin Silver. So thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Tom.